Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Russell Crowe's inevitable chubbiness. You thought I was going to talk about Kevin Spacey's rapes. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. Don't start trying to do the right thing, boyo. You haven't the practice. I see Bud because I want to. I see Bud because he can't hide the good inside of him. I see Bud because he treats me like Lynn Bracken and not some Veronica Lake who fucks for money. I'm talking about the gas chamber and you haven't even asked me what this is about. You've got a big guilty sign around your neck. Now go cue the theme 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 song. song. You know, Ray, I'm talking about the gas chamber and you haven't even asked me what this is about. Come on, don't pull that good cop, bad cop crap. I Is that how you used to run the good cop, bad cop? Oh, Lord, Marcy. You're the guy who gets away with it. Are you gonna shoot me? Alright. You got a big guilty sign around your neck. Alright. Hush, hush. 97. How would you like to be a movie that came out in 1997 and get nominated for nine Academy Awards? But unfortunately, you're against Titanic. That's not going to work out too well for you. Not only Titanic, as good as it gets, Goodwill Hunting, uh, The Sweet Hereafter. We've talked about the movies from this year. Boogie Nights. Uh, yeah, some good ones. But the one we're talking about today is La Confidential. Very French movie. No, it's L.A. Confidential. Don't be silly. Do you like neo-noir crime films? <laughs> Go on. Say Go again. on. <laughs> Neo-noir crime film. <laughs> um, this is going to be an interesting one because written and directed uh, by Curtis Hansen. There was some help on the screenplay, which was one of the Oscars that this won for Best Adapted Screenplay because it comes from a book. Um, James Elroy had a... L.A. Quartet series, and this is one of the books. Uh, the Black Dahlia, I think, was it either another book by the same author or a book in this series, and there is a movie about that, but we're not doing that one today. We're doing the one with Mr. Touchy Feely, Kevin Spacey, Mr. Punchy Punch, Russell Crowe. Probably he's got a good reputation, Guy Pierce, James Cromwell, uh, David St- Stathairn. Kim Basinger in her Oscar-winning performance, the two Oscars that this movie won was for the Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Supporting Actress, Kim Basinger. Basinger, Basinger. There you go. You get both versions from me. Uh, Movie runs about 138 minutes, so a little over two hours. It was made for $35 million and took in 126 at the box office. And people fucking went crazy for this movie. Really high reviews on most of the sites you check. Lots of kind words. Uh, and basically, Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe were fairly unknown, so this really got them going in their careers, um, both of which have done some stuff they were given some big accolades for. Um, let's talk about uh, Kim Basinger. What the fuck? How did she win an Oscar for this? Let's just get this out of the way right away. Th- now, she doesn't do anything wrong in this movie. She's not bad. She's not bad at all. She's completely serviceable as Lynn Brackett, the hooker with the heart of gold. Once again, fucking Hollywood loves the hookers with the hearts of gold. Who doesn't? Uh, but what the fuck do you win an Oscar for this for? So listen to who she was up against, and we might get a little bit more of a glimpse. First of all, Gloria Stewart got nominated for an uh, Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role as Old Rose in Titanic. Who I believe we all felt that that was a fucking piece of shit role and performance. And I'm sorry, Miss Gloria, if you're still alive. Probably not. Uh, She's not. No, probably not. Okay, so then Joan Cusack in In and Out. And while she is boisterous and does have some emotion in that role, not an Oscar performance. Nope. Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights. Um, what? Strong- she beat Julianne Moore? Stronger candidate, because uh, she was very good in Boogie Nights, but some people don't like movies about porn. And then the final, and the deserving actress who should have won, was Minnie Driver from Goodwill Hunting. And just think of that bedroom scene where Will is yelling at her and she's crying, telling him she wants to love him, and he says he doesn't love her. So, 
Okay, I pick. disagree with who should have won, but I do agree that that's a good scene. Yeah. I think Julianne I mean, Moore the whole way. Julianne yeah, Moore, I, 100%. The fact that Julianne Moore lost to Kim Basinger for this fucking minuscule role in this movie, yeah. uh, a meaningless role in this movie, is, is yeah. fucking disgusting, actually. This reeks yeah. of somebody got a blowjob as a favor. Yeah, probably Somebody we shouldn't make that statement. This is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, right. so I, I just don't get it. Um, why? Why was I the think, woman from Titanic even fucking uh, nominated? How is you know why? why? Was she was in Hollywood. Nominated. She did some things, and they were like, "Oh, we'll throw her a bone." Like it just it that this alone. Well, that's got to like, be Kim Basinger as well, then. Yeah, her I nomination. Guess? Her nomination doesn't even make sense. Never mind winning. No, Basinger was a little older in this film. Not too old for the Earth, but. Um, I think she was in her 40s in this film, if I'm not mistaken. I could be a little bit wrong. She has so, the look. Best guess is like she's been around. She's done some. Not that Kim Basinger had ever done anything Oscar worthy, though. So I'm just not sure why they were like, oh, she gets blessed in this year. And it totally supports everything we've ever said about th- these awards being totally uh, fucked up with how they pick. Yeah. I don't understand um, and will continue to not understand based on this. Again, though, she does nothing wrong in this movie. So I, I'm not going to hate on her. Um, she does a very good job. This is a, a she's a fine character. I buy her as this uh, lookalike lady who's um, has sex for money. It's great, nice. but not Oscar worthy. No. Um, the other thing about this movie is that God damn it, it is really hard to watch Kevin Spacey. Because you like him, but you know that you're supposed to hate him. Yeah, I mean he's so he's good in this. Um, he plays uh, Jack Vincennes very well. He's smarmy enough for this role. But yeah, the guy's such a piece of shit. <clears throat> it's just hard not to hate on him uh, automatically. No, I know. I think part of what we do has to separate ourselves from it. But I like that we always bring it up because fuck those people and their bad behavior. Yeah, d- no one never forget, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never forget. Um, in this flick, we have uh, 1953 Los Angeles, and uh, I mean, lots of stuff goes on. There's some twists and turns in the story, but basically a big drug dealer in town gets busted, and someone starts to take out his crew and take over his drug trade in town, and it may or may not be Police Chief Dudley. And under Police Chief Dudley... Uh, are a bunch of cops trying to make their way in the world. You got uh, Bud White, who has a great, great name, uh, is very violent detective, and he will beat the shit out of anyone who uh, he is asked to. And then you have Ed Exley, who is newish, uh, a little green, but he's trying to live up to the reputation that his father left behind, and he is fucking so idealistic. It's crazy. Uh, and then you have Jack Vincennes, who's technical consultant on a show, is always willing to take a buck here or there and see for um, that his own needs are taken care of, probably in a sexual way with uh, people unwittingly. But anyway, that's uh, Kevin Spacey for you. And okay. so we move through and we're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. There's a, a murder and some ex-cops get killed and there's a, a bloody Christmas happens and they beat the crap out of some people and that's all bad. So there's just things are bad in the police force. Bad, Longest tagline ever. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> well, the, um, one, the one thing about and then this script, there's Lynn Brackett. Yeah. There is a lot going on in this movie. And yeah, it does, see, does like, t- at times feel like there's too much going on. It does. Uh, I'm not saying that doesn't hold up necessarily, but I am saying that the screenwriters should have been able to find a way to have made this a little shorter. Uh, it almost feels like there's two or three steps in here that could have been skipped to kind of get to where they wanted to go. Uh, all of it is good, but and maybe it could have been found in the editing. But there definitely feels like there is um, there is some whether it's detours or wandering that they, they could have you know stuck with the main line of the story a, a little bit better. I, I I can't even think of any examples now. Did you guys feel the same way? I, I felt the length of this for sure, but this is one of those movies, not unlike um, not unlike uh, Zero Dark Thirty, let's say, which was long, but it's hard to pinpoint exactly what you would cut because you kind of enjoy it all 
for me though by the end i was like damn it just feels a little long but i'm like i'm i'm soaking up everything this movie is showing me i really felt like what did you feel brent too long right just right perfect i didn't feel like it was too long at all i actually just mm. was looking up the time because i i didn't it didn't stand out to me as long and i'm i think that i think i can be sensitive to i think i have tolerance for long movies but i think i also you do. be sensitive to um things that are long for no reason um yeah this didn't feel like that to me i felt like i felt like every scene was interesting or informative or some kind of a a thing about the character that kind of did did compel me to to not only continue watching but like to to wonder what's coming right yeah i like it I um like like I said I enjoyed um the ride along the way um it just it's at one point I was like looking at my watch and being like oh like how could we have gotten here just a little quicker and I wondered about it I wondered if it was Bud and Lynn's love story maybe we didn't need so much pillow talk with them um but I don't know there is a lot going on in this movie like a lot of characters um that you got to kind of keep track of and the three cops that we kind of follow which is Jack and Bud and Ed um, it's interesting because there's a point in the movie where two of them connect um, about the three quarters mark where Ed and Jack connect up and that leads to Jack's ultimate demise at the hands of Dudley which is a very unexpected moment when he gets shot in Dudley's kitchen I don't know about a 45 not going straight through Jack Vincent's chest at that range though and making a big blood splatter on the wall uh, but yeah, I think um, the movie does a good job of like weaving things and not a, it's not like it keeps you out. It doesn't throw the solution to you at the end of the day. And you're like, oh, they didn't give me the threads to get there. They do give you enough to tie it together by the end. So um, when, when it does finally connect the dots with certain guys, especially at the end with Bud and with Ed and when they were about to go on their final rampage, it's kind of satisfying to see it go down. And then throw in like some pretty awesome action and gun violence. Um, well, and you go from like hating Ed Exley. Oh yeah, right. To being like to cheering for him, and like he's got a wicked transformation in this, where he goes from like the ethical, like absolute moral side of the police force, like just nothing needs to ever be gray zoned. Like we can do this all by the book, the proper way, and proceed. Um, and then by the end, like he shoots that guy in the back as he's running away and he puts the, um, the gun in the elevator and just like executes him. Right. So it's clear that he has crossed the the line there and seeing, seeing where he started and then where he ends up. I think it's all very believable also. Like you can see that the trauma that he's undergoing and the frustrations and he's also opening his eyes to the world that's out there. Right. To like why Dudley asked him about like, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Like these are questions Bud can answer yes to. Yeah. Um, but Bud's also a seasoned detective. He's been around forever. So like he's gotten to this point and now Ed actually has as well. By the end, I mean. You you, you bring up two interesting things. We'll see if we can remember number two because I want to jump into number one. But number one is I wanted to ask you guys about how, I don't want to say idealistic, but um, like Ed is very idealistic, um, white knight, no no gray for him, like Brent said, from the start. And he ends up somewhere different at the end. And similarly, Bud White is similarly like he's the, the protector of women. Like, so they ran that in our face right away. And then it's not like he softens on that, but he gets smarter. And he says that's what he wants to do, right? He becomes well, he a better detective. He does punch her or slap her a he couple of times. He backhands her with a closed fist. Yeah, so that, that's not great. <laughs> I took note uh, of that. But, but, he, but he becomes that. But then he also states for himself that he, like, he wants to be smarter and to actually be a detective. And he does. So he gets through there. So it's it's big arcs for the characters um, that it's I don't always like when they make overly idealistic guys like Ed Exley. But in this movie, it works for me to not like him immediately. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like go along a little bit. Are you so dense? But he's just he's principled and it plays like for the movie's favor that way. And same for Bud. He's like he's so like going to protect women at any any chance he gets. Um, But that works for his character, too, throughout. I love so how it's interesting. I, I love how when he gets favor with the police department, 
when he murders a bunch of black people, then all of a sudden everybody at work loves him. They forgive all of his not taking money. They forgive all of him not being on the take. But he just kills a bunch of people. And then everyone's like, hey, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And um, the um, the fact that his his arc is really him becoming a corrupt cop in a way is kind of fucked up. Like, like they, they, the arcs are really good in here. Sadly, Kevin Spacey, uh, his arc... Kevin Spacey has an arc in this, and then he just... He does. He unfortunately dies before, um, well, he can do anything with his revelations. But, but he starts um, to. That's what's important to me. Yeah, is that that's he starts revelation to. is the important thing. It doesn't that's matter fair. what it came to. No, I know, but yeah. that's... I'm, I'm saying sadly. I think it actually works for the movie because it's surprising, and you don't see it coming. And I think yeah. it, it services the movie well and the storytelling that, that what happens to him happens to him. But he yeah. does have an arc, which is also great too. So you are following these three stories, but I do feel like Axley's arc is um, kind of depressing. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just like, like you're going to have to be, you're, you're just going to have to be corrupt if you want to get anything done. And you're going to have to shoot people in the back with a shotgun when they're not facing you and they're unarmed. Well, but you I don't know, think like, you have to, though, because the movie also addresses that those men were not the men. That woman confesses to Ed Axley, and instead of coming clean, he just decides to take, to let it go and to take his thing. Because, like, what's going to happen by digging that up, right? Mm. So I think that, um, you know, I think they address kind of that shit. It's the whole, I like how they weave in... A little bit. I thought about how much I like this or not, the whole Rolo Tomasi story. Because in that scene where he's telling Vincennes about that and he asks him why he became a cop and Spacey's eyes actually water and almost cry, which is where his snap happens and his character arc is basically completed where he's like, I am going to do this for like because being a cop is a noble thing. I'm going to go figure this out instead of just finding the easy way around. Um, and then the Rolo Tomasi thing comes back not long after with... Um, with Dudley because of course when Vincennes gets shot that's the name he mentions which reveals to Ed a blah 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 you know how it goes you've seen the movie anyway I was wondering like that happens in such close proximity to each other I wondered if we should have heard about Rolo Tomasi at an earlier time in the movie so it felt n- not forced but I don't know if it felt forced the way they did it I it didn't to, to me I, I thought that stuff no? all worked pretty well actually because <clears throat> um, we are getting to know all of the characters slowly, which I always love when they do that. The best movies do that well, where where you're always constantly getting these new things revealed about someone, and it's deepening them and making flushing yeah. them out. And I feel like that came at an appropriate time to flush him out why he wanted to do this job and 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 why he's in the situation that he's in is because because of what happened when he when he was younger. And you and know. it also it also completes like as for good or bad his arc because like he's not going to put up with the guy who gets away with it. That's why he shoots him in the back and does the the unforgivable from Ed's perspective um, because he knew he was going to get away with it. And he's like, "Fuck that noise!" And, and as and much so, as I as much as I cheer when he does that, and as much as I am I am happy that he does, it also leaves a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because uh, it it is about. Um, you know, him kind of losing his humanity and his innocence a bit. Well, I mean, his innocence, yeah, but I don't think his humanity. I think that yeah, that what it, I think it addresses right away the questions that he asked in the beginning, right? Like this movie yes. is definitely an ethical discussion, and so at the end when he does that, he knows if he doesn't, Dudley gets away with everything. Yep. Yeah, and, and he becomes part of it. Yeah. And so he has to take Dudley out in that moment to stop the ultimate evil, right? I yeah. know he so, does. So and he, I'm glad. so he, so it's almost sacrificial if you consider that he has, he has given um, that that good part of himself. Uh, he he gives it away to the people in that moment to protect them. The one yeah. thing I the one thing I am happy about that the screenwriter and the director did was they didn't have it where he's grabbing like a an ankle hostel anchor ankle holstered weapon and like t- t- he's gonna shoot and then he shoots him you know what I mean 
because then yeah. he it's in self-defense. But he shoots him. Oh, he's it's very de- deliberate. He's defenseless with his back turned. He shoots him in the back. I, the man I, who has I, no weapon. I know. See, when he's um, um, when Ed dives to the ground and he gets the gets the shotgun, he could have shot him then straight in the chest, and he still would have been like justified to do it. But it's very important, I think, for the movie and the story that that he starts to let him walk away, and then either he rage thinks about it or whatever, and then shoots him in the back, which is very despicable to some people. Um, but he's like doing what needs to be done. I think that's very important for Exley because it, it might have left a different taste in our mouths if he had shot him in the chest, like square up as he probably ought to have in the moment. He would have been killing the bad guy, but the fact that he lets it go on for a few seconds and then shoots him in the back says more about Ed closing the gap on some of his lacking skills, let's say, from what Dudley pointed out to him earlier, the things he wasn't willing to do. And whether and I don't get the sense about Ed in this movie that later on he'd be like killing people willy-nilly or be at risk of becoming a Dudley. I think he just did it in that moment, and he's going to continue to do what's right going forward. Um and he might be a little bit uh, more uh, willing to shoot someone to do that. Yeah, it's just when you cross that line, it's hard to come back from from that. But but that once again makes the story better. You mm. you want you want that conflict at the end that he does have to cross the line. That's what makes what? it so so I like significant. Thing, though, you don't have to you don't have to stay across the line. Like That's right. you can do that thing and then go back to being a good cop. You could actually even very well explained go back to being a good cop because a lot of guys like think of world war ii a lot of those guys like did tremendously horrific things in the war and when they got out they were like all i want to do is get a quiet farm and like yeah. live the rest of my days in peace like actually could be like i did this thing and this thing was because of a, a major necessity and now i am like committing myself to the to doing good for the rest like i've removed this thing and like god forbid i hope i never have to do it again mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i'm not saying that he can't be a good man still i'm just saying that you were saying once you cross that line you can't go back no i'm not saying you can't go back i'm saying it makes it so much easier to cross it again because you've already mm. you've already done it so sure. like so like it just it, it can't it once again we don't know what's going to happen but it could be a very slippery slope for his character we don't know but that's what's so good about it is we don't know it's up for the audience members to decide the morality of it and what's going to happen to him it, we don't i don't want to know i love the i love that the fact that the movie does do this i think it's a good the only thing my complaint about the ending is it should have ended sooner but wait yeah. but wait about your previous thing like think about how good the characters are that that these scenes are so polarizing right like he kills him he kills a, a captain or whatever by shooting him in the back right yep like think about that we can have the discussion about that happening or the other stuff that Exley's doing um and then we're still wondering about the morality of his character and the future of it like that goes to speak about the rich rich uh kind of textural landscape that is like his character makeup because I mean, those things aren't even truly questions otherwise, right? It's, yeah, that's what I know. want. No, that's what I want out of every movie. I don't ever want to leave a movie not having my own opinion of what impact it's going to have on this character's life and someone well, else I mean, can have a completely depending. different opinion of what they think could happen. Like, I love that, the feeling of that when you're leaving a movie that it leaves you wondering, you know, what what's going to happen to this guy. That's great. Certainly. That's what... That's the best films do that. The best films do that. But once again, I just only I feel like they should have ended it much quicker. I almost think they maybe should have just jumped to him getting his medal. Um, I feel like the whole scene afterwards where he explains it to everybody, and then <sighs> a hero and stuff. It it slows down the movie a bit at the end. It's, um, that's a that's a weird one because yeah he starts explain a logging exactly what we saw happen but then he then like they start talking about the politicking and how they're going to recover and ed shows his true politicking uh style again something they do throughout the movie when he in the interrogation the way he spins off um bloody the bloody christmas um to like get a a uh, bump up to detective lieutenant <clears throat> so like i like 
that part of the interrogation, but I hate all the explain-a-logue of him telling the story to them. May, they maybe could you could have cut. May, maybe you could have cut the him explaining to them to the just them looking at him through the window, saying, "What are yeah. we going to do?" And then he's like a hero, and they're like a hero, because that other stuff is bad. It is explain-a-logue, and it and it goes on for quite a while. Yeah, um, I. I, I also feel like the end end scene like I do like when him and Russell Crowe have that moment and more more um, evidence that you know show us don't tell us in movies is like Russell Crowe caught a bullet through the mouth so he can't say shit but him and Ed have that moment at the end where they clasp hands and stare and then Lynn's there for some reason and she's like ah oh, we were such a great team Ed actually and I'm like you fucked him like for all weird reasons and now yeah all buddy buddy <laughs> like just get in the car and get out of here I know I think the moment between him and her is awful um, so John, whole, you were talking about, sorry, the whole some guys get the whatever, and some guys get the world, and some guys get the girl or whatever. I was just got rid of all of that. He should have touched his hand, and then she should have been in the front seat and just drove off. Like you didn't need any kind of big moment between them. She like fu- she had sex with him to fuck him over. Like there's no bond between them. Like like it made no sense. It was weird that they had a bond him and her. That felt really forced to me and fake at the end. Not not enough to ruin the ending of the movie. Just no. like just no. less is more. Don't you don't need to have them having a convo. It's it's not unnecessary. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite moments where fucking they're staring at each other, Ed and Bud, and Bud's in the back seat, and they look at each other with loving eyes, and they they grab yeah, each other. Yeah, they hands. have a bond. And, they went through and, hell together. They went. Yeah. They experienced something where they were where they were gonna both die. They were surrounded and. Yeah, I love when uh, Exley's looking at Bud in the back there when they're holding hands, and he's like, "Yeah," because they both know they love each other. I also love the moment just <laughs> before they're getting into the fight at the hotel, and he's like, "I always just wanted to live up to my dad, or you know, be like my dad." And he's like, "Maybe you can. You're about to die, right?" And they have yeah, a little line chuckle of duty. about that they need, before they go in. Yeah, I fucking I love that moment too. Yeah, 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 that is great. The that bond between sh- them is great. Yeah, that whole shootout is really good too. At the end, um, yes, great action. Like it's 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 logistically it makes sense. I know where I'm at. Um, when he goes under the house, when they do their little plans to get the the drop on guys, bullet reloading and gun capacity in this game and trigger control is all actually really good. Um, there's not many scenes where I'm like, fuck that, that gun won't hold that many shots. <laughs> That's what I was gonna talk about. Is that you were talking about when he when uh, Vincennes gets shot in the kitchen, there not being an exit wound. Yeah. Yet no one says anything about fucking Crow getting shot in the cheek and the rest of his face not blowing off. Like that that other side's not looking too pretty. I don't like, think it would, yeah. He's got a big a hole in his cheek and a bunch of fucking teeth shattered. Yeah. Oh Jesus, yeah. Yeah. At least probably at a least large part talking. of his jaw too, you know. <clears throat> One thing in this movie that um, at the first time that Dudley came on scene, the captain, um, we paused the movie, Colin and I, I said, okay, we both remember the movie. I'm like, this guy's the bad guy. Let's watch him very carefully to see if he gives anything up or if there's foreshadowing, if there's things we would have missed. The, 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 my favorite, maybe favorite, favorite part of this movie is that they give you so many hints at Dudley's improprieties um, by the way he treats Ed. He's trying to talk Ed out of doing things and don't do this. Don't join the detective force because you're going to be closer to my guys who are dirty and I don't want you in there asking questions. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Um, but it all comes off that he's trying to look out for Ed. So you don't ever get the sense that he's telling him not to do it because he might get caught at his illegal activities. You just think he's like just trying to watch out for his team. So you really do not get a sense on a first view at how uh, dirty that cop is, the captain. Yeah. And on the second viewing, you can pick up where it's kind of things are going on and he's just he's handling it well. So I really, really appreciate that level of writing in a movie that they they give you enough to say that makes sense, but not it's ruining anything uh, or it's so obvious. You're like, oh, how could they not see it? Mm-hmm. I also like his <laughs> motives in that conversation he has with Exley because he's being completely honest. He does not want a, he doesn't want a man like him in the detectives uh, bureau he doesn't want him there he wants somebody who will do all those things and not question it and he's being honest like he doesn't he doesn't want him coming in there rooting his nose around and wrecking things he just says he's noble and he's good he he says it right to his face he yeah he doesn't make any qualms about it like he's not lying at all which i really love 
Yeah. Yeah, that part really is good. Yeah, that's a great scene. Um, the oh, Danny DeVito, <laughs> Danny DeVito yeah. is fucking great, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, really he's good awesome. in this movie. Like, he's really good. I never, I never not buy him in this role. Like when he's getting the shit kicked out of him, when he's begging for his life, when he's like all cocky and trying to get his. Hush, hush. It looks like he's doing Hush Hush magazine on his own, by the way. He doesn't yeah, have like yeah. a crew and reporters. It's just him trying Dude to make ends meet. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And it, that that's a nice little... Um, it moves the, the story along, gives you little hints of things, how Jack finds out about Fleur de Lis because of that pot bust mm-hmm. um, and then starts connecting the other dots with that poor young actor uh, slash man hooker um, who gets his throat slit. The voiceover is great too because the voiceover is just copy from Hush Hush. That's it's right. just the so copy that he's writing. It's the stories he's putting out there works great, and uh, the music's great. With the 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 cinematography is excellent in this movie. It definitely um, it feels music, like Colin, 50s. Which of your favorite directors got nominated for two different movies for sound in this year? For sound, for music, I mean. My two favorite composers. No, same composer, two different movies, two different categories nominated. It's Thomas Newman. No, I don't know. Then it rhymes with Schmanny Belfman. (laughs) Shut up. Did let me ask you this question? Did he win? Goodwill Hunting and Men in Black. Did he win either of those Oscars? No. No. But he was nominated. <laughs> but you know what? We all know winning it doesn't mean shit based on like other conversations we've had. Yeah, Kim does Basinger, not mean he was undeserving. Uh, what's her of name? It at all. Fucking from uh, my cousin Vinny. Like this award has been thrown at everybody for every reason. Has Danny ever won the Academy Award for uh, composing? Oh, I'm sure he has. He must have. But I'm just I'm, I don't know the answer to that. What Pee-wee's didn't he do probably. it for? Um, for Toy Story, was that Danny Elfman? I can't remember. Isn't Toy isn't Story? That, isn't guy? Toy Story uh, like a what's his name? Yeah, uh, Newman. You got oh, a all right. It might have been yeah, right. genitals to my mouth. Thomas <laughs> Newman did the music for uh, for the fish one. Uh, what's it Dory? Called? Yeah, no, not that one. The one before Dory. Fish called the Wanda. Shark's Tale. No, uh, a B story. No, Nemo. Nemo, Finding. yeah. Oh yeah. That's Newman. Shamu. Nice. Are we just naming fish? I know that's not I a think, fish. I think it's a orca. mammal. Stupid. Orca. Go on. No. Go on. Um. Yeah. Yes, that is the way it goes. What do you guys say? You want to talk about things with it holds up or not? I guess we can. I don't. I don't I can't have believe for such a long movie we have such little bit to talk about here. Uh, I do like feel like about. I think we I, talked about quite a bit. I, I do think we would edit. I would. There's. I wouldn't edit out certain scenes just to shorten this movie. You'd have to edit out a whole section. You'd have to take out like a whole sequence of scenes. That that didn't add to the movie, um, and you could still get to where you were gonna go, because this movie is so dense. I mean, I would you'd have to like spend a lot of time trying to figure out what you would remove from this movie. I don't want to edit this movie. I just find it's a little long, and there's a little bit of wandering. But I, I once again, because I was really into it and focused on it, I wasn't really focused on that. Watching it again, maybe I would be able to see more. But I do feel like this movie is overly long and unnecessarily overly long. Once again, don't think it ruins the movie. But I do do feel like there is something that could be cut out of this movie that would that would improve it a little bit. That end part. <coughs> well, part definitely of some of those. those ch- but those are like c- cutting scenes in half or shrinking it down. Yeah, there's just a sequence of scenes here that doesn't need to be in here. And uh, yeah, I I also am like confused as to why Kim Basinger went along with the plan. 
because she knew it was going to hurt Russell Crowe. Yeah, right? but it, I think she, she well, I mean, she says she thought it would help him. She probably thought that by busting Exley, Exley would be out of the cop game and out of Bud White's hair. I, she must have known he was going to find out, though. He's Plus, a she makes cop. little money. Plus, she gets some dick. Well, with those photos being taken of it, like, she knew that he was there taking photos of it. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's pretty. She's actually pretty star. kinky. Actually, that makes <laughs> great even, actress though. That makes her even hotter <laughs> that she that she was willing to have sex while someone was photographing it. That's yeah, that's I guess. hot. I mean, I, so she obviously <laughs> yeah, is. Those pictures. She was obviously just going to do whatever uh, Pierce Patchett told her. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, He's her boss. Not that he seemed like a strong hand kind of guy. He's just rich from having girls who look like whatevers. Maybe some of the stuff with uh, discovering Meeks's body could have been cut. The whole mother of Lafferty, whatever. Oh yeah, was. there you go. <clears throat> There's a great once again. The it's, acting's good, and it's but what? Where, where, why did we go there? And nothing ever comes of that, except to to find the body of Meeks and tie him into the story. But even that, they have to explain a log. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what's going on. I don't know if it would have made more sense to like show Meeks and um, what's the other cop who gets thrown off the force? Um, oh, Stensland. Stensland, yeah. If maybe they had shown them doing the hit and stealing the heroin, it would have connected some of those dots. Uh, but instead, no, you got to find the bodies and then tie it all together. And some maybe you wouldn't really realize what happened there until. So, like, I get the overall conspiracy of everything, but maybe some of the pieces the way they're put together um i don't know i don't want to say could have been better because i get it by the end of the watch but that might confuse some people on a first watch but you still would get that everything came together in a nice little bow it it does seem like the that whole thing was very comp overly complicated for no reason um with the two cops and and john you hated something in this movie you haven't talked about well i don't know if you hated it but you questioned it what? And it was when they would show somebody we've only seen once, they oh. would they would superimpose a flashback of something okay. over top of the scene. Yes. So they had to do that for the um, the gal on the on the slab when she's killed and you don't know what lady was murdered and her mom comes in and she can't recognize the body. But it's like, that's her. And then it fades half the screen away and the other half of the screen shows the chick with the broken nose in the car. And I'm like, okay, I there's no way I would have ever known that that was her, even if you said her name. Um, so, so I guess it's necessary to do it, but I hate that they had to do that. And I also, I wasn't a big fan of the side swipe half the screen to show the background. They do it one other time. I can't recall. With the Buzz. Second. They do it with Buzz when he finds his wallet. And then it halves the screen and he's like, people call me Buzz or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like him at least I knew because he was like, I'm Buzz Meeks and I just had an altercation. Not like I leaned forward in a car with half my face covered by a bandage and was like, I'm okay, officer. <laughs> so, so that that, yeah. that was that was a bit of a stretch. It's, it's hard. That's a really hard thing to do with this sheer number of characters in this movie. Like I probably couldn't have told you on a first or second watch who Lynn Brackett was. I don't even really know like that I'd remember Lynn as Kim Basinger's name, um, th- which made it especially confusing for like, I like Bud because he treats me like Lynn Brackett and not like some Veronica Lake lookalike. I'm like, who's Lynn Brackett? Is that a different <laughs> movie star or something of the time? <laughs> oh, no, it's I like, her. I like being treated like uh, Robert Downey instead of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, yeah, so, is there anything you didn't like in this movie? You've only had glowing things to say. Me? Yeah. yeah. I like this movie, man. I, but there's like, nothing. I like this movie. There's no speed bumps for you or any weirdness uh, at all. I don't know. If there's not, that's fine. Yeah, I don't like nothing that really stood out. I mean, I'd have to watch it again. Like that ending thing. You're right. Is is like I think we go from shooting them in the back and then just like maybe a little hubbub there and then to the award. We don't need a bunch of the explain a log and like retelling what we just saw. Although part of that's interesting too, because you like seeing the the recount and how he's going to spin it, I guess. But you don't need it. Um, no, I like I like it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Like I, I, I for if we're there, then we're there. I think it holds up. 
Yeah, like, I think, I think it holds up too. I think it's very serviceable, and I think that it's really smart. A lot of the writing is really clever, and the acting is great, and the directing is great. And there are a lot of moral and ethical themes that are running throughout this movie with all of the characters. Like, it's this movie is thick with themes that are going to remain relevant, you know, till the end of time. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean, another thing a good movie does is it stays relevant. Yeah, the el- the elements of celebrity and drug abuse and entitlement uh, in Los Angeles and corrupt cops, um, all that stuff still rings true. Like from fifty three to twenty twenty. Yeah, doing doing the right yeah. thing is a yeah. I mean, I still. That- yeah, doing what? the right doing the right thing. I still will appreciate any movie that puts you in a position where someone is getting murdered on screen and you as a regular day-to-day human are saying like, "Up, oh, yep. I I can see why he did that. Like he shot an unarmed man in the back and if you're not morally challenged about that, then what's wrong with you?" But after watching this movie and everything that went through, you can kind of see yourself saying, "Yeah, I would have probably shot that guy too, that piece of shit." And I love those moral dilemmas because you never want to kill people. Never. I mean, it's the love. fact that the fa- how many people did he kill? He like like we thought at the time that he killed Kevin Spacey in his kitchen, and then he just killed he just killed Bud, like right in front of Guy yeah. Pierce too. Yeah. I mean, Guy Pierce definitely could have shot him earlier on, but once again, it's great to have him shoot him the way he does. It does, yeah. Oh, so here's something else. You guys both said it holds up. I will preemptively say also I think this movie holds up. But here are some other things um, that make you morally question. Um, When they arrest the three um, youths, uh, the black guys who they frame for the murder at the Night Owl, those guys turn out to be connected with another guy who has kidnapped a uh, a, a gal, uh, a Mexican gal, and is like kidnapped her and or raping her and all that shit. When Bud goes in to rescue her, he goes in first. They let him. The cops do. Dudley does, and he like flat out shoots an unarmed man in the chest. The guy like he waits till he looks over and looks him in the eye, and then he shoots him right in the chest and kills him. And I'm like, I'm okay about that too, because you fucking gonna kidnap and tie a woman up in your bedroom, then you're in the game and you can get shot in the chest, and I don't hate that. Especially That's exactly when you the s- thing about that is that, like, you realize Russell Crowe doesn't need, like, if you're sitting there eating cereal, no one else in the house, and that woman's beaten, fucking tied up in that room on that bed, yeah, you're complicit. Doesn't matter how you fucking put it, you're complicit. Yep. I mean, no, unless, he's, unless he's, like, special needs, and he's sitting there and Could've just been. eating cereal, watching fucking Saturday morning cartoons... <laughs> You know, That's maybe a maybe, little different. Maybe slow Uncle Henry got one in the chest there by accident, but probably not. No, yeah. and when you see her tied up to that bed, beaten and naked, and you're just like, yeah, kill them all. Like, fuck these guys. So, like, the movie does a really good job of of giving the motivation for you to get behind some of the corrupt things these characters are doing. Because the, the, the people that they are doing it to were, were committing such a heinous fucking act against a woman. Oh, like, yeah. keeping her like a, like a fuck doll tied to the bed. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, good riddance. And those, good so riddance. then the three youths were in on that. The youths, yeah. Maybe they didn't do the kidnapping, but they knew the guy who did. And they seemed to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, but that's another thing in this movie that I'd have to th- put some more thought into maybe would be that whole angle of those guys as the night owl killers. They aren't, but we do spend a lot of time with them. And then Ed finds out that they've escaped from, from the holdup and he figures out where they've gone and then ends up killing all of them. Um, also driven by the bad cop he brings with him, who's the first one to shoot. But we spend a lot of time with that. Uh, for essentially is something that's not not related. It is related. Uh, it doesn't go anywhere. Do we anywhere. spend too much time feels, with that? Yeah, it feels like it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> and also the whole escaping thing and stuff, that's bad writing. They're just yeah. like, I think it's reported over the radio that they just escaped yeah. who knows fucking how. Which and I then they missed. they just got away. Like, yeah, I exactly. missed and then I was <laughs> confused because Ed's like, let's go to the drug dealer's host. And I'm like, why is he doing that? And Colin's like, oh, they said on the radio that they escaped. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of... It's cheesy and lame. Yeah, that is lame. That is lame. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a different way they could have done it, but oh well. I, I you I, I do think we go we do spend a lot too much time on that case as yeah. well. 
Yeah, it is integral to the story, so we need to focus on it. But yeah, the the whole that that part. So there's some fucking holes in your movie. Fix them. But other than that, I think this movie <laughs> this movie holds up. This shit. this movie for me is kind of like a warm bath. One of those you know movies from the late '90s. Gr- gr- good action, good acting. Um, I like it every time I watch it. And I could if this movie was on TV. Not that I watched just tv but if this movie was on somewhere and someone was watching it i'd sit down and immediately be like into it because i like me it. and my me and my partner watched this like two months ago and then when we were gonna do it for the show i was like absolutely like yeah. no problem whereas a lot of movies when we're like let's do this be like i just watched it yeah let's wait like a bit. la confidential let's go yeah anytime i'd watch it again today actually if if it was on, it is yeah. one of those movies, and once again, that it's so because rare. too, it's got the old Hollywood vibe to it, right? Yeah. Which is always so sexy, and I think that's the warm bath element, is because I think that probably all three of us, and I think a big portion of people, that old Hollywood still has that that allure, allure right? Yeah. Like that, it has that that mystique and that that old like magic, and it it's all gone now because we've seen the fucking tarnish, but yeah. Um, but this old stuff here where it was still glitz and glamour and especially the cop department being like one of the old ones with all that shit. Like that's what this movie is. It's like it's the noir plus the nostalgia plus the magic and the glamour. It's like it's kind of got all of that in there with like a really exciting and interesting uh, mystery behind it. So like, of course, why wouldn't you want to fucking spend time with this movie? Yeah. Yeah. This Unfortunately, just proof again to that that most of the content that's coming out today is disposable movies and tv shows here's a movie that is like so good still like all these years later and like like this is the type of thing that they need to be making more of something that will stand the test of time that's not you know just don't spend millions of dollars and waste everyone's time on something that no one is going to remember the next day like this is a movie that that I'll watch again. Yeah. Like See, it's soon. Not, it's not based on the history. Like it just happens to take place in the 50s and it uses this Hollywood LA backdrop as the... Um, it's the setting. It's the setting, right? Other movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood rely on you knowing more about the the history. And what's the Coen Brothers one? Oh, the Caesar one. Um, oh, Hail Caesar. Yeah, right? That 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 did the same thing. Like played on parts of that world that I know nothing about, even though it's the same kind of time frame we're looking at and just when it's about that as the movie, I don't like it, but when it uses it as a setting like this did and then it has bigger themes like you know, it's like we talked about celebrity and and um wife beating and shooting people in the back. That's the shit time, you really want to All the morality shit. Yeah, that that this is timeless stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's once right. upon a time in yeah. once upon a time in Los Angeles or whatever, is is the the exact opposite of this. It's self indulgent bullshit, is what that movie is. <laughs> and this is a movie that uses that as a backdrop to to make tell a great story. And it's yeah. not all about the nostalgia, but that is just like the where they're living. That's the that's the you know aesthetic. That is great filmmaking. That Tarantino movie is bullshit. It's because the Tarantino movie has no real fucking direction. We're just no, watching it's just life go useless. on and then things just happen to happen then. Whereas this is like I mean in my mind this is like a like a puzzle, like a like a maze kind of. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Totally. It is it is and it's the adventure of watching that be unlocked but also trying to unlock it yourself yeah i don't know if we could have solved it ourselves which is something that i like in a movie right yeah i like when you watch uh like a whodunit or a mystery and the pieces are there um even if you don't pick them up because they're not obvious but if you were doing the hard work you might have been able to right yep I like that. I don't think that's present in this movie, which I guess would be a smudge for me because I like to play along. But I mean, it's a different type, and I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah and I'm you know. okay with that too. Yeah, they're they're yeah. Some movies do different jobs of that, like um, like Hunt for Red October. You know, immediately he's trying to defect, and the movie just plays out how that would work with one side not knowing the other. 
Um, you get this movie that there's a mystery and you kind of need to wait to the end to see how it unravels. I can't think of a good example where you could have picked it up along the way, that kind of movie. I'm trying to think about Knives Out because you're learning as Daniel Craig's learning. Right. Um, so maybe, but I think that one's even pretty tough. It is. And, no. and yeah. the, once again, the thing that's better than this than the Tarantino movie is at the beginning of the Tarantino movie, you have a character who feels like he's past his prime and he's like not like a big name actor anymore. And at the end of the movie, he feels the exact same way. And nothing fucking changes for that character. And that movie's almost three hours long. Whereas we have three characters in this movie. That, and they all have fantastic arcs. Yep. And they all change and become different throughout this movie. Yep. And we get to watch that as it unfolds in front of us. Fantastic filmmaking. Yep. Fantastic filmmaking. You can't, you can't beat it. Yep. It's all very good. Well, I'm pleased that this one worked out. I was afraid for it, but my fears need not be founded. I will have joyous celebration instead. LA Confidential, everybody. Right on. So go check this one out, even though there's a filthy uh, person toucher in it. Uh, he's actually quite good on this, I'm sorry to say. Uh, but <laughs> it's, what it's are true. you going he's to do? Good. Never forget. Okay. This has been great. Next week, we got a real tearjerker. No! No one's excited for. I just want to get it out of the way, kind of, is how I'm thinking about it. But oh, I'm so excited for this one. I've not Why seen it in this? a I'm decade. <laughs> Requiem for a dream. Oh, Jesus. No. But um, I'm expecting... Everyone bring your hug pillow and your weighted blankets and your fucking, uh, you know... Everyone bring your cyanide games. capsule. Of all the movies <laughs> that make you want to slit your wrists at the end, I think this will be one of the better ones because it's, it's I think, well done, well acted. Uh, but I don't know for sure and ass to ass. So we'll see how mm. all that goes. Well, and the ass to, ass to ass is interesting too. Yeah. You don't see that in a lot of movies in the movie theater these days. Especially driven by some cr creepy old guy. Ass to ass. Ass to ass. <laughs> We're going to say I that a lot pretty, in baby. next week's episode. <laughs> but I didn't That's take it over somebody's air. quote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we'll be back at you next week with that one. That'll be our last for September, and then we'll get into October's titles. Um, this one was a lot of fun. I like these happy ones. It's all good, baby. So we'll be back at you with some sadder shit next week. Um, we really appreciate it <laughs> for this one. Take your nice selling point. It's good, yeah, eh? It's good. Sell it. Tune we'll in next week next to get time. all sad. But they had to listen to all this episode to get to this point, so maybe they'll yeah, be back. Probably. Enjoy a good cry <laughs> masturbate, maybe. I don't know. i fucking doing that right away. <laughs> All right, folks. Great to have you. Thanks for coming out. Uh, we'll see you next time. And as always, enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.